0: Sponsored by Black Magic Design, the world's highest quality products for the feature film, post, and broadcast industries. BlackMagicDesign.com. And by JMR Rentals, professional, digital, cinema, and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com.
1: Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby, here with some No Rest for the Weekend news. Our lead story is a recap of the 35th annual edition of NewFest, New York's largest presenter of LGBTQ film and media. The festival's mission is to give voice and visibility to a wide scope of LGBTQ experiences through films and programs that entertain, educate, and empower. We were there on the red carpet for the opening night film, Rustin, the new feature about civil rights leader, Bayard Rustin, who organized the 1963 March on Washington along with Dr. Martin Luther King. We caught up with the executive director of the festival, David Hatkoff, Rustin producer, Bruce Cohen, and director, George C. Wolfe. I'm here with the Executive Director of NewFest, David Hatkoff. David, 35 years, man. How does it feel to be here?
2: It feels incredible. Uh, You know, 35 years ago, the founders of NewFest saw a need to be able to create a space and a platform for queer stories and storytellers. At that time, in 1988, LGBTQ folks were dying from a disease that we were being defined by. Our rights were in jeopardy. The political rhetoric was terrifying. And so to be here 35 years later, Uh, representing an organization that is thriving, a year-round organization with you know five or six events every month and now two weeks of films ahead of us um, where we're expecting tens of thousands of New Yorkers to show up both in person and and virtually is just it's thrilling.
1: There's a lot of LGBTQ rights that have come under fire recently. How is
2: the festival fighting back? We're fighting back with our voices. We're fighting back by providing a platform for these stories and for people to celebrate their full humanity, their full dimensionality and all all of its beauty and all of its messiness, and by representing the full swath of the LGBTQ plus experience, it, this is a festival that is really for all queer folks. And so we have representation from different uh, races and ethnicities from, you know, 26 different countries have a film represented in this festival. And we are going to gather together and say, we matter. Uh, Our voices matter, our stories matter, and we deserve respect and and rights.
1: And so what do you see as coming up the future of the festival? How do you see it growing?
2: We've grown so much just in the last several years, and we continue to grow. Um, We have more screenings than we've ever had before. We're in more venues. We're in Brooklyn now, in addition to being in Manhattan. We introduced an industry program, so we're going to have really um, robust conversations about what's happening with queer film now and where we anticipate queer film being in the future. We have a festival lounge. We have, I think, something like 20 parties. And and fun is part of this festival. Joy is part of this festival. And so we're just going to keep doubling down on the work that we do during the festival and also throughout the year, um, providing resources to filmmakers to make sure that more films are getting made. And we need more films made by black filmmakers. We need more films made by Latinx filmmakers, indigenous filmmakers. We need to see more representation from the bisexual community and asexual. And there's there's so much fecundity so much depth in the queer community. We need the stories to represent that.
1: I'm here with Bruce Cohen, the producer of Rustin. Bruce, I gotta ask you, how does it feel to be opening Newfest with this film? It feels
0: incredible. I've been a huge LGBTQ film festival fan. For decades, I was a proud board member of Outfest in the 90s. So it's kind of a dream come true to be opening night at Newfest tonight with Rustin.
1: For people unfamiliar, tell us a little bit about what the film is about. Give us some background.
0: The film is about Bayard Rustin. The March on Washington was his idea, and he made it happen. He was Martin Luther King Jr.'s right-hand guy. He was the one who got MLK involved with the march. The reason why you've never heard of him or one of them is the story that the movie tells, but hint... The fact that he was openly gay and black in 1963 certainly didn't help matters for him to be the famous historical significant figure that he deserves to be and that we hope that this movie is going to make sure that he is.
1: What do you want audiences to take away? What what would you say is the central message of the film?
0: I think the essential message of the film is that you can change the world. As bad as things are and as much work as there is to be done you could get up every morning with the mission of you're going to do something today to make the movie to make the world better um one of the characters dr anna hedgman played by cch pounder in the movie her father used to ask her every morning what are you going to do today to make yourself useful and i think
1: that pretty much says it all i'm here with none other than george c wolf the director of rustin George, how does it feel to be opening NewFest with this movie?
2: Well, it's very, it's, it's very exciting and very honored and, and very thrilled, and we're in the shadow of where Bayard used to live. He lived just over there, so it's really wonderful. I feel like we're in his neighborhood.
1: Why don't you think we've seen this story on film before?
2: A lot of people just didn't know the story. History, you know, history is can be very brutal. History celebrates who it celebrates, and it frequently ignores people who it should not ignore. And so. It's, you know, it's glad that it's happening, and I'm glad I get to be a part of it.
1: What do you want people to walk away with? What do you want the impact of this film to be?
2: Well, I, hopefully they're empowered, because that's what's, I mean, that's any work that I do. Hopefully there's an equation of empowerment that's built inside of it.
1: George C. Wolf has an interesting background. Before he directed movies, he was an award-winning playwright and director. He's won the Tony for Best Direction for Angels in America, Millennium Approaches, Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, and Elaine Stritch's one-woman show, Elaine Stritch at Liberty. His filmography includes Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, based on the play of the same name by August Wilson, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and the television movie Lackawanna Blues. If you haven't already, definitely check out his work. And if you want to see Rustin, it'll be streaming on Netflix starting November 17th. Up next is a new documentary called Queen of New York. It's about Marty Cummings, an activist and drag performer who made an historic run for city council in New York City. We were there for the film's world premiere at Newfest, where we caught up with director Emma Fidel and some of the film's subjects. I'm here with Emma Fidel, the director of Queen of New York. How does it feel to be here with this movie at Newfest?
3: It feels amazing. I am so grateful, so honored, and just so excited to get to share this story with so many fellow New Yorkers.
1: Give us like a little synopsis of the film and kind of how it came to be.
3: Queen of New York is a documentary about Marty Cummings' run for New York City Council. It was a historic campaign because Marty would have been the first out non-binary person and first drag queen ever elected to New York City. Even though they didn't end up winning the election, they made such a big difference in the community and the politics around them here in New York City. and. It's still an uplifting and inspiring and hopefully fun, good time kind of film.
1: Was it more about making a doc about Marty and this is what Marty happened to be doing? Or what, were you trying to make a documentary about an election?
3: A little bit of both, to be honest. Um, my background is in journalism and in political coverage. So I came to this from a political reporter background Um, but I have always loved drag and when I heard that a drag queen was running for office I said that's a movie I want to watch and so I tried to make it along the way it as you know many documentaries do it grew and expanded to be something bigger than just Marty and we actually actually followed three of Marty's opponents in the race which was pretty unusual given, you know, how much camaraderie there was between the four of them. Um, And so I was really lucky to get to not just follow Marty's campaign, but actually four campaigns here in New York City.
1: Did you have any expectations going in? Did you, does election automatically give you an ending when you're trying to make a film like that?
3: I think you know that there's going to be an outcome. You know, you're not going to be in production for years, most likely. Um, But of course, we didn't know if Marty was going to win or lose. When we started filming Marty was in the lead in the race in terms of fundraising but of course that's only one specific metric at uh, the local politics level and so we didn't know off the bat how good their odds were. As we filmed and as the campaign went on it became clearer and clearer that they were really fighting an uphill battle um, as so many queer politicians do but especially in that district, it was really important for us to also follow their opponents who we thought stood a really good chance of winning as well so that we could see this campaign from all sides and make sure to include really authentic voices to the district we were covering.
1: And you know, for people who see this movie, how do you want it to affect people?
3: Well, I will be so happy if people have a really good time watching this movie, if people feel inspired to think differently about gender and identity or to think differently about local politics. Hopefully, people will want to get more involved and will realize how important being civically engaged on a local level really is in all of our day-to-day lives.
1: And for people who want to know more about the film and find you and your work online, where can they do that?
3: Our website is queenofnyfilm.com and same with our Instagram handle, queenofnyfilm.
1: I'm here with Britta Filter, one of the subjects of the documentary. Britta, how does it feel to be about to see this film here at Newfest?
4: It feels incredible. I'm so happy that this movie is being shown. It's the world premiere. We're all going to, uh, I think it's really incredible to be with our community members and to really enjoy this incredible feat that Marty did. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Marty and about your relationship with Marty? Marty Go Cummings was truly one of the reasons why I started drag. Marty is one of the reasons why I got active politically in drag, so uh, it just means so much to see them really shine. Even though they didn't even win, um, it, it's it's a story about like how you can do whatever you want to do as long as you put your mind to it, and that's what Marty's doing. And do you yourself have political aspirations now? Oh baby, I do 100%. I'm the national co-chair of Drag Out the Vote with Marty Gold Cummings. Um, they are my sis, we are saving democracy one LGBTQIA individual at a time, making sure that they get registered to vote. We got a general election coming up on November 7th, y'all be better registered.
1: For people who want to find you and, and your work, where can they find
4: you online? Uh, you can find me on everything at The Britta Filter.
1: I'm here with Peaches Iman Cummings, uh, one of the subjects of the documentary. Peaches, uh, just tell me how does this feel to be here tonight about to see this movie?
5: It feels so good to be here. We've been working on this for four years and it feels like it was just going and going and going and we kept talking about when this happens, and now it's finally happening so it's great to be here.
1: Talk to you, to me a little bit about uh, Marty, your relationship with Marty and, and how you got involved.
5: Marty is actually my drag mother. Uh, She adopted me right around the same time that the film started uh, being produced and worked on. Um, And from there, I worked on her campaign. We were on Worst Cooks in America together. We were on Drag Me to Dinner together. So we kind of became a drag family. She also became one of my best friends in the whole world, and now we just kind of Run the streets together.
1: <laughs> what is a drag mother? For the, for the uninitiated, what is a drag mother? What does that
3: mean?
5: A lot of it is rooted in ballroom culture. Um, in the late 70s and 80s, uh, in New York City, there was the subculture of queer people that needed to create family and create a community when they weren't being accepted by their biological family and in this world now it's someone that just guides you and uh, helps you really find your footing inside of the industry and, and get gigs and get makeup and get looks made and all of that good stuff. And for people who want to find you and know more about your work, where can they find you online? You can find me on Instagram at peacheswithaz.nyc That's nyc. or you can find me Honestly, anywhere, just like run out on the street, you'll probably see me being loud and beautiful somewhere.
1: So I had the opportunity to see Queen of New York, and I have to say it's a really inspiring film. I really didn't know what to expect from it. Uh, It's a story about Marty Cummings, uh, but it's also a political documentary about an election, about New York City politics. Marty is a unique individual, uh, very passionate about helping people, and they really had an uphill battle in that district. It's the 7th District of Manhattan. It's way uptown. It's a largely Latinx, Spanish-speaking population mostly Democrats. I believe the Democrat usually runs unopposed there, so it's really all about the primary. But the people up there are still pretty conservative in terms of their social values. So for them, electing a non-binary drag performer who doesn't speak Spanish is kind of a big ask. Emma Fidel has a background in news and covering politics, and you can really see that in this doc. So she's covering the top candidates, and we see them as Marty's opposition but we don't really see them as antagonists. Uh, She doesn't make them out to be the bad guys just because they're not her candidate, which I think would be a trap that a lot of filmmakers might fall into when they're trying to make their doc more entertaining. It's still a very uh, entertaining doc as well as an informative one, basically because in addition to the politics, you've got drag performances and we get to see a bit of New York City drag culture. I found it fascinating, insightful, and inspiring It shows the importance of being politically active, even on the local level, and I think it should inspire others as well. As of this taping, the film does not have a release date. I believe the film is still working on a distribution deal, but Follow us online, and we hope to have updates for you soon. May-December is a film that we mentioned on our previous episode, our Fall Film Festival Preview. This film has been taking the film festival circuit by storm, including New York Film Festival, which it opened, and also Mill Valley Film Festival. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch a screening of the movie, but we did catch up with director Todd Haynes at Newfest, where he was being honored for his legacy and contributions to cinema. I'm here with Todd Haynes, the director of May-December and honoree here this evening. First of all, how does it feel to have your movie here at Newfest and also uh, being honored? It's great. I've been coming to this festival
6: throughout my career. Um, It's New York City. It's where my career began. So it means a lot to be here and to be honored.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about the film? Give us a little synopsis, what it's about.
6: May-December is uh, the story of a of a scandal that occurred 20 plus years in the past uh, where an older woman um, seduced a younger a young boy Um, and all these years later an actress comes to town played by natalie portman to prepare for the role that she's going to play portraying julianne moore who's the woman in a film so it's a story of of that process of what she
1: undergoes and how the
6: two women interact and who this guy has become.
1: You got a stellar cast. What's it like working with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore? It's an amazing, humbling, astonishing
6: experience every day on set. Uh, This is my fifth film with Julianne and my first with Natalie. Um, But to watch the two of them share the screen in the film and the kinds of characters that they portray is uh, something to something to experience. Can I ask kind of how, how the movie kind of came about? Where did this come from? Natalie Portman sent me the script <clears throat> to May, December in, at the height of COVID in 2020 by a young, emerging, and incredibly original screenwriter, Sammy Birch, and with a real confident point of view. And the script really cut through. There was a lot of stuff circulating at the time, and I was reading a lot of things, and I was also developing something else. And But I started to talk to Natalie about it, and there was a second female role that was about Julianne Moore's age. And so I cast Julie as the second lead. And then the, the, the part of Joe, the husband, we cast Charles Melton in really, an, an, an amazing, real dramatic debut for Charles, who's been on the, mo- the show Riverdale. Getting this movie out
1: there, you've been tearing up the festival circuit a bit with it. You're at New York Film Festival, and I think you're at Mill Valley as well. What's it like seeing this thing with audiences, and what do you want audiences to walk away with it? It's been a great process.
6: We premiered at Cannes. We um, <clears throat> we opened the New York Film Festival. It's been at London, and uh, San Sebastian, and Deauville. And, um, Look, this is a film that really demands the audience play an interpretive role in reading and watching this story unfold. There's a great deal of humor, and, um, but it's a very disturbing story at the same time, and you're left in a kind of complex uncertainty as a viewer, but what's it been great is to just see how much audiences seem up for that in today's time and place, which is sort of surprising.
1: We first interviewed Todd Haynes on the red carpet of the Tribeca Film Festival, where he was screening his film Velvet Goldmine. He was nominated for the Oscar for Best Screenplay for his film Far From Heaven. And his filmography includes such critically acclaimed films as Carol, I'm Not There, and Safe, which also stars Julianne Moore. May-December is scheduled for a limited theatrical run and will stream on Netflix starting December 1st. Up next, we've got some upcoming movie and streaming releases for you. Here's what's coming soon to Netflix. Coming to Netflix on November 17th, we've got Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the animated series based on the manga comic and the film Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, starring Michael Cera, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Brie Larson, among others, who will return to reprise their roles from the movie. If you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, definitely check it out. It's directed by Edgar Wright, and it's definitely a cult classic. Also streaming on Netflix on December 20th is Maestro, the biopic about legendary composer-conductor Leonard Bernstein. You you can check out my review of that film on our previous episode where we covered New York Film Festival. Maestro will also have a limited theatrical run starting on November 22nd. Then on Netflix on December 22nd, we've got Rebel Moon Part 1: A Child of Fire. This is from the mind of Zack Snyder, the filmmaker behind 300, Man of Steel, and Army of the Dead. Rebel Moon is an epic sci-fi fantasy starring Sofia Boutella, Charlie Hunnam, Ray Fisher, and Carrie Elwis. Here's the synopsis. When a peaceful settlement on a moon in the furthest reaches of the universe finds itself threatened by the armies of the tyrannical regent Blasarius, Korra, a mysterious stranger living among the villagers, becomes their best hope for survival. Tasked with finding trained fighters who will unite with her in making an impossible stand against the Mother World, Korra assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants, and orphans of war from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge. As the shadow of an entire realm bears down on the unlikeliest of moons, a new army of heroes is formed. This looks interesting. Zack Snyder seems to be having himself a Star Wars. If it's anything like its previous work, I'm sure we're going to get tons of cool visuals. Super slow motion and awesome action. Coming soon to theaters in November, we've got Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The Hunger Games prequel stars Rachel Zegler, who starred as Maria in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, and recently in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Zegler stars with Viola Davis, Time Blythe, and Peter Dinklage. I'm not the biggest Hunger Games fan, but I know it's a popular series, and I'm sure Lionsgate is looking to this one to start another saga. Let's see if they can pull it off. Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes hits theaters November 17th. On November 22nd, Sir Ridley Scott's Napoleon invades theaters, starring Joaquin Phoenix in the titular role. According to IMDb, the film takes a personal look at Napoleon Bonaparte's origins and his swift, ruthless rise to power, viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and true love, Josephine. Sir Ridley Scott worked with Joaquin Phoenix on a previous epic, Gladiator, where Phoenix played another emperor, the Emperor of Rome. Scott has directed classics like Alien and Blade Runner. The legendary director has been on a tear in recent years, directing movies such as The Last Duel and House of Gucci, with multiple projects in the works. He has nearly 60 directing credits. He's in his mid-80s, and he's about to have another birthday coming up on November 30th. So, happy birthday, Sir Ridley. On December 15th, we've got Wonka, the story of Willy Wonka's early years. According to IMDb, the film based on Roald Dahl's character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Wonka tells the story of how the world's greatest inventor, magician, and chocolate maker became the Willy Wonka we know and love today. Wonka stars Timothy Chalamet as young Willy and Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa. This is a Willy Wonka origin story. I don't know who was asking for this, but I said it before. Strong IP in Hollywood never dies. It looks like they're going for grand and epic out of this one. I like Timothy Chalamet. He was good in Dune. Let's see what they'll do with this one. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom splashes into theaters on December 20th. The film stars Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, reprising their roles from the previous Aquaman. According to IMDb, Arthur slash Aquaman must enlist the help of his brother Oram in order to protect Atlantis against Black Manta, who has unleashed a devastating weapon in his obsessive quest to avenge his father's death. There have been a lot of rumors and conjectures surrounding the making of this film. According to James Gunn, who was brought on to retool the DC Universe at Warner Brothers, this film is not part of the new canon he's creating, so that might have some effect on whether or not audiences come out. The first Aquaman movie did really well. It was a huge hit for Warner Brothers. I saw it. I found it rather exhausting. I felt like they were attempting to make about five different movies, couldn't decide which one, and said, what the hell, why don't we just make them all? I'm curious to see how this film does, uh, or if people still care about the remnants of the, the Zack Snyder DC universe. So this could tank or make another billion dollars. I honestly don't know which. Coming to theaters this Christmas is Ferrari, which was featured at this year's New York Film Festival. We reviewed that on our New York Film Festival episode. I definitely recommend it. You should check it out. And I would say look for this one come award season. And that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including more movie reviews and film festival coverage, visit our website, No Rest norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank everyone who came out to chat with us at Newfest and our sponsors, Black Magic Design and JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.